God's word. God has something to say today. I really believe that. If you believe that, say amen. Oh, yeah. Good. I got people with me. Awesome. So here we go. Y'all ready? I say, y'all ready? Sorry, I, I'm one of those interactive preachers, so I'm sure Heath just sits up here and he loves to teach. I like to talk and people talk back to me. So if you got something to shout, just shout it out at me, okay? I'll, I'll listen. Awesome. Here we go. All right. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and you will, and as you enter it, you're going to find a colt tied there, say tied there, which no one has ever ridden. I want you to make note of that. If you highlight or underline, go ahead. You probably want to do that right there. No one's ever ridden this thing. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say the Lord needs it. The Lord needs this servant. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And they were untying the colt. Its owner, sure enough, asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They said what God told them to say. And sure enough, they brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on it, in the colt, on the colt, and put it on Jesus. And we just read earlier about how they worshipped them, about how they worshipped Jesus. The Pharisees, if you skip down to verse 39, it says, Some of them, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He said, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem, verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, Jerusalem, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Let's pray. Father, I pray today that our eyes would see the glory of the Lord. That Jesus, you would make yourself known and there would be a revelation of who you are. That your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as in heaven. Would you use me like you use that cult, God? Would you give and put on me and on everybody here a testimony like that cult? that we could be used as servants of the Most High God, that you could restore and redeem our broken situations, that you could use us for anything, God, if we just choose to believe and to receive and respond to your word. Use me, God, as a vessel. I humbly submit myself to you. Bless the preaching of the word and the hearing of the word. Give us ears to hear, hearts to listen and obey. We ask, and everybody said, amen, amen. Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right in front of you. It's something that you can reach out and grab. Jesus just didn't say to repent so that you could receive salvation, although that's true. Aren't you glad you have salvation? Aren't you glad the Lamb of God came to be sacrificed, that he laid down his own life? So that we could have salvation. He said, they don't take my life, I freely give it. But he said also to repent so that you could, the kingdom of heaven could be revealed to you. We are repenting, we are turning, we are responding to the Holy Spirit and, and what he's doing in our life so that we can and we would turn towards him so that he could actually bring us out of one realm into a whole nother realm. 
A lot of times in the church today, we talk about repenting for the sake of only salvation. And while that's true, we forget that there's a reality of the kingdom that Jesus talked a lot about. I don't know if you've opened up your Bible recently, but if you learn a lot about Jesus, he's got a lot to say about that kingdom. He's bringing a kingdom. He's brought a kingdom. It's both here and it's coming. And it's something that we can embrace and experience today. Say experience. He doesn't want you to just, he said, it's not just a kingdom that's of talk. It's a kingdom of power. We don't just talk about it. We don't just preach about it. And while it's good to talk and preach, and there's something to that, he said, it's something that we can experience. Paul said it like this. He said, when I came to you, I came with much fear and trembling. I was fearful and trembling. I wanted to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, the most important message but I wanted to come to you so that you wouldn't just experience a talk. I wanted you to experience the kingdom of power. He said, I pray that there be a kingdom of uh, a kingdom demonstration of power so that he said why he wanted that so that people wouldn't attach themselves to a man in himself. Paul, they wanted them to attach themselves to the power of God working in their life. God wants you to attach yourself to him and that he is a mighty, wonder-working, powerful God that can do all things. You have to have this thing inside of you. So the kingdom of heaven is not here. It's not there. It's within you. And he wants this thing like a river flowing. And he's in you and he wants out of you. He wants to bless the earth. He comes in you for your sake, but he comes upon you for the sake of others. And you get to reveal the kingdom nature of the king of heaven. When I was in ministry... For a number of years, I wish I could tell you that I always was, I, God had to unfold some things to me that of where my heart was for a lot of years. I was a youth pastor with Heath in Columbia, Missouri for two years. Samantha and I got to uh, go out to Salt Lake City, Utah. No, we're not Mormon. No, I don't have multiple wives. I just need to get that out of the way because usually people have questions when you say you go to Salt Lake City. So I'm just going to answer them right there for you. But I go out there and it's something that, um, you know, for a number of years, God was able to use us. And I'm so grateful for that time and what he did. But he started revealing some things that were kind of ugly in my heart about how I would deep in my heart. I wanted people to recognize me. I wanted to be seen and understood in the church. I actually wanted to be sought after. I know that might sound ugly. I'm just telling you it's true. I had this ambition in my heart and it was honestly, it was veiled from me. Um, but the, the more the Lord started revealed, the more it started just kind of getting gross. And it's not the only reason. I think there were many things that God did, but when he calls us out of full-time vocational ministry, it was kind of nice because I could kind of lay that thing down and let it die. There was nothing to attach my name to anymore. It was just Logan Miller. I just called myself, I'm a Joe. Uh, so even today, I don't have, I'm not a pastor today. I don't work at a church. I have a full-time secular job, whatever you want to say. But the Lord was able to use this time to show me who I really am. He took me like Moses out of, 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 a, of, a, of Egypt's palace and he put me in a desert land to show me who I really am. And then he, just like Moses, he spends time just being Moses and finding out who, his, who he is as a Hebrew, the thing that he struggled with. And he tried to take advantage of, of his situation and he tried to uh, leverage his Hebrew roots and he's struggling with that. So he killed a, an Egyptian. He's trying to he had this desire, I think, was from God, but he'd do it in his own way. But when he, God removed him, he had no idea that he would eventually one day restore him into his purpose. So I don't know what God's purpose is necessarily for my life, but I do know that he has a purpose in my life. And I do know that I am not just called to preach. I'm called to reveal the kingdom of God just like you are. And thank God 
He's humbled me in such a way that when I look at a text like what we just read, I have this new desire. I see things in a new way. I look for things, and I just want the simple things of the kingdom. And when I look at this donkey, can I, I don't know if this is crazy to you, but it seems a little crazy to me. I want a testimony like the testimony of this donkey. Because when I look at this donkey, I see something in myself, and I probably might see it in yourself as we go through this. When Jesus wants to use, you got to remember, Jesus has this huge narrative that's happening, his big story, right? And from Abraham, and, 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 and I'm sorry, Adam and Eve, and then on to Abraham, sin came into the world, and he says, I'm going to give a kingdom, and then that kingdom's going to come, and the nation of Israel gets born, and David says there's going to be a king, and he's going to plant this kingdom in Jerusalem, and then Jerusalem's going to happen. They say at one point in Zechariah 9 that there's going to be a donkey that Jesus is going to ride in on, and he's got this special donkey. Now, I don't know about you, but in my mind, I'm thinking through, this is going to be a special donkey, I bet this is going to be like raised in a palace somewhere. This is going to be some amazing, uh, just, I mean, let your mind go, wow, it's probably going to look more like a stallion than a donkey, right? I mean, it's going to be a king's donkey. I mean, it's got to be something special. But Jesus says to two of his disciples, he says, I'm sending you forth. I want you to go to the next town just ahead of you. And just there, you're going to walk into the town and right there is going to be a donkey. And that donkey is going to be a tied up donkey. Not only is he going to be tied up, he's never going to have been ridden before. There's going to be an owner who's probably going to reach out and say, if, if, if you have need of it, like, what are you doing here? And he say, don't worry, I have need of it. And sure enough, they go, and it's just as he said. There's a tied-up donkey. And in my mind, I look at that donkey, and I think that, man, that donkey has no what, what purpose does he serve? Just tied up, just bound up, shackled up. Maybe the, maybe the owner's tried to use it before and just, I don't know what to do with this thing. All, all its purpose to serve right now is just to be tied up. That's its value. That's its worth. Can't do anything. Doesn't belong to much. No experience at all glorifying anything or anyone. No experience. Never been written. Never really fulfilled its purpose. Just sitting there. Just sitting there tied up. Not only is it tied up, but then it has a a different owner. What are you going to do when you, I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, I feel like just other things might own me. When I was a kid, that's why I love talking to teenagers. My parents, they they were the ones that felt like they had all the control over my life, and I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to be my own person. Maybe you feel like your job owns you. Maybe you feel like that's the purpose of life is just to, to be a good worker and have somebody own you. And you, you get it, just give out yourself. Just like this donkey probably assumed of his life. My job is to carry the burdens of the world. The donkey is the, burden, the, beast, of the beast of the burden. That's the type of animal it is. But instead, even though Jesus has this amazing grand story that he's accomplishing, he says, the donkey that I want is that one that's all tied up, that one that's all bound up, that one that feels like has no purpose, nothing going for it, never, been, never experienced the glory, never experienced anything in its life. I want to choose that donkey as the one that I'm going to ride in on. And God looks at your life and he looks at my life and he says, I can do something with that. I can do something with that. And I said I want a testimony like that donkey because I look at my own life and say, I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at my life and I say, God, I don't see anything in here. I told you a bit of my story, wrapped up in myself, wanting to glorify myself. God, how could you want to choose somebody like me? How could you love somebody like me? God, I feel this, this yuckiness, this wickedness inside of me. And then out of nowhere in less than 24 hours, 
Jesus calls, he sends on mission. Anytime you see two disciples, it usually reflects that there is a mission that's taking place. And he sends on mission. Those, he sends the donkey back to himself into the presence of Jesus, into the king's presence. And now that donkey is useful for the kingdom purpose of unveiling and riding in on the king. Do y'all hear me? The king is coming into Jerusalem, the place that he is going to rule and reign from. That, like Keith said, that one day we will, he's going to rule and reign from the place of Jerusalem, and we're going to worship him there. And, and God wants to unveil this through a humble donkey. And I'm asking myself, I'm saying, Lord, would you choose a people such as this? I think, I mean, I, I put myself in that donkey's position, and he, just the day before, was tied up, didn't have any purpose, didn't have anything going for himself, and this time, now he's been brought into the presence of Jesus himself, and rides in, and, and is looking, and now people are worshiping the one that he carries he carries something in his life now of significance. He carries the presence of Almighty God. He's saying, and he's got to be asking himself the same question that they were asking. Who is this? Who is their worship? My life has purpose now. I surrender myself. And even though he had never been ridden before, you might be looking at me today and you say, God can't use me. I've never used, he's never done anything. I can't talk. I can't preach. I can't unveil the kingdom. I can't lay my hands on the sick and see them healed. I can't raise the dead. God, why would God want to use me? If he can use a donkey, he can use you. If he can use me, if he can use Heath, if he can use any one of us, he can do whatever he wants. He's asking, he says, the work of the Lord is this, that you would believe on him whom God has sent, that you would believe in the Lord. They asked, and he looked, and I imagine this donkey walking. It says this in, in Matthew 21, verse 10, it says, When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? Who is this? That's a really good and important question. It's the same question Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say that I am? It's a good question. It's one if Jesus is asking it to us, we probably need to consider. It. And it's the very thing that the whole city was stirred by. They were stirred by the presence of Jesus. I want to ask you, is God doing something in your midst that's stirring your heart right now? If it is, that means the king and the kingdom is being revealed here at Sanctuary. I want to ask you, this was a whole city, a whole town that was stirred by the presence of Jesus asking, who is this? I want to rebuke, I really just believe to say this almost prophetically upon this church, that God wants to do something in this church. He wants to unveil his kingdom through a willing people that would be like this donkey saying, God, if you can just use any, but just use me. And you will shake and you will stir a city, maybe in ways that might make you uncomfortable in the flesh. But if you die to that flesh and you arise again in the spirit, he'll use it. And you won't care about what people think about you because you'll be like the donkey. See, Jesus said, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, get close to me, learn from me, for I am humble in heart. I think he chose a donkey because it reflected the humility of Jesus. Here's now the, the, the this, he's saying, man, you, I say holly, you say luya, I say peanut butter, you say jelly. We just get each other. There's humility walking, running, the power of God rushing through a humble servant. But 
Everybody's wondering, who is this? And many people couldn't receive. And as we read in Luke 19, it says this. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. If you, only you, had only you known this day, what would bring you peace? I can imagine that donkey going, to what? The worship's happening. This is beautiful. I love this setting. I can't believe I'm being useful. All the people are joyous and glad. And then he starts feeling what feel like raindrops coming on his head. What is going on? What's, what's wrong? What? This one that I'm glorified. What's, and, he, and he can't look up, but he's wondering what's happening. And there's Jesus weeping. Doesn't say he just cried a couple little tears. He's weeping. If you need to close your eyes to imagine doing it, he's crying, he's weeping out. Jesus has a, a plan. He's going somewhere. He has an agenda. He, you know about agendas, right? You know what a good agenda looks like. He's got things he's got to do. He's got places he's going to be. But he would not let his heart be far from him. He lived from the place of the kingdom. He reflected. He was the image of the invisible God. He reflected. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Only say what I hear him saying. He knew the will of the Father. And it broke his heart that people couldn't receive. And he says why they couldn't experience this peace. Because now it is hidden from your eyes. I want to humbly, humbly as a servant, just as a, as a donkey to you today. One donkey to another, okay? I want to say to you, friend. I want to say to you, beloved. Jesus hates it. It burdens his heart, our spiritual blindness. He weeps over it. He didn't just treat it casually like, oh, I hope you get it fixed one day. He, it, it breaks the heart of your Savior that when we are spiritually blind. Well, what looks like spiritual blindness? Well, we saw it in John. There's a, a young man who's spiritually, he, he's blind physically. He's blind physically, and the disciples are wondering, Jesus, tell us about this man. Tell us about this young guy. What's, who, who sinned, him or his parents? He said, neither, one of, neither him nor his parents, but I was going to receive glory from his life. Glory is showing and revealing the ultimate goodness of God. When Moses saw the glory of the Lord pass by, it says he saw his goodness. When you reflect his glory, you people get to see the goodness of God. This is why I want to see signs and wonders in our day. Not just so we can hoop and holler and say amen. It's so that the glory of Jesus can be revealed in the earth. That people would say, he is a healing and restoring God. I once was blind, I now can see. I once couldn't walk. Last two weeks ago, I was at a, a conference that we saw over one thousand healings take place 1,000 healings it was ridiculous we're ta I'm talking and I, I love to it, Bible says to boast in all the wondrous works of the Lord so I'm going to boast in his works we saw uh, a, a young kid who had a metal plate who was 14 years old totally removed um, an iron plate totally gone they went in they did the, the MRI or whatever they call it I don't know I'm not a doctor but they went it's not there anymore people who had iron in their back for years 20 years one guy could not bend down he went up on stage and whoo he's bending down we had a lady with three toes totally gone grew back in front of the group that she was standing there with. God is still in the healing business, and he's revealing the kingdom of heaven on the earth. Amen? Amen. I love telling about these testimonies because I love sharing the goodness of God. And Jesus said, I'm going to reveal the kingdom through this man, and I'm going to glorify myself. I'm going to glorify the Father. 
and he goes and he does it, and the religious people hate it. They hate it. They say, who, to tell us, well, you know, all they want to talk about is his theology. Well, do you line up as being his follower? He goes, he goes, all I can tell you is I once was blind, but now I can see. That's all I can say. I don't got it all figured out. I don't have all the answers. I'm just a donkey. I'm just, I was tied up. I was shackled up. I didn't have anything going for myself. But God came in the picture, and I don't know what to tell you, but my life's changed. And I'm glorifying him. I'm carrying him. I don't know why he chose me. I didn't earn it. I was just back there. Everybody looked at me, and they passed me by. But he said, behold, the one I'm going to choose. He had intimate knowledge of where that thing. He didn't say, just go find any donkey. He said, I want you to go on the town right there. He's going to be tied up. Up. I got specific knowledge. The word of the Lord's come to me. That's the donkey. You might be looking at your own life today saying, I don't know why he chose me. I don't know why he called me. I don't know why he chose this church. I don't know. But if he's saying yes, I'm saying yes with him. That yes and amen will be our name. Amen? amen. Hallelujah. I'm getting riled up. This is good. I haven't done this in a while, so we might be here a couple minutes. He's spiritually blind. The people are spiritually blind. So he gets kicked out, and Jesus really gets kicked. He comes after those who get kicked out in his name. I want you to know that. People in your community cast you out because you believe a little too much. You make them a little too uncomfortable. Don't worry about it. Jesus only gets closer to you. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found out, oh, when, he gets, when people get found out, he gets close. He says to the man, do you believe in the Son of Man? He says, who is he? There's that question again. Who is he? He says, teach me, because tell me, because I want to believe in him. People might get healed, and they go, I don't even know who or what just healed me. You might lay hands on somebody. They get healed, and they're going, well, who, tell me more about him. You've been praying for somebody for years, but you didn't think because their toe that God said, hey, toe, be healed in Jesus' name. Like, How's that feel? It's totally different. And then, well, there you go. Now you got your kingdom conversation. You're like, let me tell you about the goodness of Jesus Christ. He's still your healer. He's still your redeemer. He died on the cross. Do you want more of him? Well, if he heals and makes people change, I guess I do. You'll be amazed what God can do in and through a willing vessel. Boy, I hope you believe that. that was good. I'm going to say it over here. God can choose anybody if you be a willing vessel. That's why I love you students, because students are, to me, are just the ultimate donkey these days. It's just tied up on their phones, tied up on social media, tied up in their boyfriend and girlfriend, tied up in trying to identify with this, tied up in this and this. And God, I believe, is going to absolutely apprehend that generation, call them for his own glory. And I pray that they're the ones that fill, and they're the ones leading the worship, and they're the ones who are saying, we will be the vessels, we will be the chosen ones. And I pray that every single person in here say, yes, and amen, and you champion them, you protect them just like Jesus protected the blind man I better keep going Jesus said you have now seen him in fact he is the one speaking with you the man said Lord I believe and what do you know now he's joined the chorus of those who worship him and he worships God for the one who healed me the one who made me see and Jesus said this is the reason I came for judgment I came into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Pharisees were around him, and they said, what are you saying that we're blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now you claim you see, your guilt remains. He's saying, if you were blind, if you were like this guy, and realized your need for a Savior, 
and you realize I'm just, a, I don't have anything for you. I have to come humbly before the Lord and say, God, I don't have it all figured out. I need your blessing. I need more of you. Jesus, who are you? That's the question we got to keep asking. Who are you, Jesus? There's more of you. I feel like there's more, and I've come humbly. I don't have it all figured out. Yes, it was that person. Their guilt is removed. They're free because they can just abandon themselves to the Lord. But the one who says that they can see, the one who's already got it figured out, the one who already got all the theology, everything's all down. You got it down pat. You don't need Jesus anymore. You've moved on. You, you're all glorified. You're all, no, no, no I'm, I'm good. I don't need it. He says, I've come to tell that that person that they're blind and their guilt remains. Jesus wept, wanting them to have peace in their hearts. But all of Jerusalem, not only could they not see it, they were ready to kill him. And Jesus knew that, and he still went in. I want to let you know, if you're hard-hearted today, Jesus knew, and he died for you. And this week, we're here to celebrate. Jesus went in, and we celebrate that Jesus went in. The last thing I'll say is this, on the road to Emmaus, they kept, Jesus died, he rose again, but they didn't realize that yet. And they're still asking that question, they're bothered. I'm not going to turn in the text right now, but if you read the story of Emmaus, two disciples, two disciples no longer walking on mission because they feel a little bit lost. But they're walking, but they're, they haven't gotten away from that all-important question, who is Jesus? We thought, he, and, when, and when Jesus comes, he's disguised from them. He says that they can't see him, but he's walking with them. And they don't recognize it, but he's wanting to reveal himself to them again. Let me tell you, as long as your heart's searching, as long as you can stay humble, as long as you stay in that place going, God, I just, I think there's something for my life. I think that when that Logan guy's up there is talking, that maybe you actually care about me. If you, I mean, if you can get a tied up donkey with nothing and use them to glorify yourself, could you use me? Could you? And if your heart's burning right now, just like their hearts were burning, they said, did not our hearts burn within us when Jesus talked? And he talked, and then he came, and he said, Hey, I'm going to reveal myself to you. And they said, yeah, 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 come with us. Stay with us. And he stayed. And the Bible says he broke the bread just like he had always done. And he revealed to them that he is the broken vessel. He is the body that was, uh, you know, broken for our transgressions. And it says that immediately at that point when he broke the bread, they could see him. He brought them into a new and a greater revelation of who he was. I don't care where somebody meets Jesus or how they meet Jesus. They might not get saved for the first time. Again. I was just talking, uh, Bradley, you were just telling me your testimony. Just today, he was telling me his testimony. You said the first time you got saved, you're like, I don't know if I was really saved that time. But did you stay hungry and you stay humble and you kept walking? And then he said, oh, and then something that happened here years later. And God encountered me again. And I started, and he's bringing now Bradley into a deeper grace to understand and continue revealing. As long as he stays humble, as long as he says, God, I don't have it figured out. I need more. I want more. I'm hungry. God says, he who is hungry and thirsty for righteousness, I will fill him. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He was hungry, he was meek, he's humble. If you are poor in spirit, if you're saying, I'm needy in spirit, in the world, people reject you if you're a little too needy. Sometimes with my wife, she's just like, you're a little too needy for me. I'm so glad I can come to God sometimes and go, I'm so needy of you. I just, my mind's messed up. I'm thinking about this. I'm distracted by this. I'm, I just need you. And he does not reject me in that place. He loves me in that place. And he says, blessed are you who are needy in spirit, for yours is the kingdom. Praise God. Last thing I want to do here is pray, 
play a testimony. I told you about that week that we went to and we got to um, see all these miracles take place. There was a young man named Jeffrey who the first night I get there was a Tuesday night about two weeks, two or three weeks ago now. And Jeffrey was going to rob a convenience store. Okay, Jeffrey is, um, he's on his way to that convenience store and, he, and a man stops him and he says to him, hey, can I have a smoke? And Jeffrey was kind and said, yeah, I'll get you a smoke. Well, the man saw his mask and his gun and he said, true story. He said, son, whatever you're about to do, don't do it. Jeffrey had no idea who this guy was and he just, he knew what he was up to. I don't know if it was an angel or what, but Jeffrey didn't do it. He goes back to his brother named JJ. JJ's the young man that you're about to see a, a testimony from. JJ's been got saved, set free, delivered from a bunch of things he's about to talk about. He'd been praying for not just his brother Jeffrey, but so many in his family. And God's revealed himself so amazingly through JJ, and God's done such a radical work in JJ's life that now God's affecting his whole family, including Jeffrey. Jeffrey that night came to the service with JJ. There was a word of knowledge. Somebody said, I believe that somebody has toe pain, something, and Jeffrey had had toe pain for a lot of time. And so this, he comes up and he says, hey, I've got toe pain. They pray for not just his toes. They pray for him to receive salvation. And then not only does he receive salvation, he gets baptized that very night. The next day, Jeffrey, just like that donkey, that 24 hours later, he's now glorifying God. I got to sit next to him while 5,000 people were there. And they said his testimony. They said last night, someone's going to rob a convenience store two nights ago. But last night he got healed, set free and delivered. And, and everybody stood up. They had no idea that we were in the back and I'm sitting next to him. I said, Jeffrey, two days ago, you were going to offend your family. You're going to offend yourself. But now God is honoring you just 24 hours later. He sat there and he wept. He sat there next to his father who he brought and his girlfriend. His father said, if God can do that in Jeffrey, I'm coming to church too. You'll be amazed what happens when God can use humble servants to the glory and to the honor of Jesus Christ if you just be willing to say yes. But I want you to hear JJ's story, and then we're going to close and see ministry take place. So let's watch this testimony real quick, and I'll be back. My story starts off whenever I was 18 months old. Um, me and my mother were involved in a semi-truck accident, and it tragically ended my mother's life. Um, through this time, my family has had to deal with it on their own, really bottling it up. It's caused a lot of anger, caused a lot of pain, and... Uh, we really didn't have a foundation to run to. Uh, we weren't really involved in any churches. We really the only Bible verses that we would see is either on a movie or, or on somebody's skin after a tattoo. Um, left us with a void. And uh, my father, he was emotionally unavailable. Um, growing up, my dad, he was physically and emotionally abusive as well and um, it's just the way that he was raised whenever I was six my dad decided uh, that he was going to be moving to Missouri with his new wife and I was going to be staying with my sisters um, from the ages of six to ten I was bouncing around from family to family never really feeling like I fit in anywhere and it just brought me a lot of depression anxiety and uh I was always looking over my shoulder to see what somebody else was plotting against me type of thing. Never felt at home. Whenever I was 10 years old, my dad decided to come pick me up and uh, he moved me to Missouri. When I got to Missouri, uh, there was a family moving in next door and it was a Russian family. And uh, one of the ways
ways that I would make new friends is is through basketball. I kind of made that my identity since I didn't really have anything else uh, in my life. And basketball was just consistent. Um, I started asking Daniel if he wanted to play basketball and slowly but surely he, he came around and I found out that he was just as passionate about basketball as I was. And he was even more so passionate about spreading the gospel. And that was a blessing because that was something that I always wanted, was just to be told that Jesus loved me, even though that I never knew it. It was filling a void, and each seed that Daniel was planting would one day change my entire family. And uh, I just thank God for that move. Um, Throughout the years, me and Daniel would go our own separate routes, and I would fall into addiction. Uh, whenever I was 14, um, I was molested, and I didn't know how to talk about it because if I talked to my dad about it, I felt like I was just going to get hit or something bad was going to happen. And eventually, word got out, and uh, yeah, things were settled. And even though the things were settled in a, in a court stance they weren't settled in in me. I still had a lot of questions and the depression, the rage, the anger, the anxiety, it, it just grew into like this monster. Uh, I started trying to just numb the pain and I, I found myself addicted um, to drugs and alcohol. One of my strongholds was uh, marijuana. It just numbed me to the point where I didn't have to think about anything allowed me to go to sleep at night, not worry. Um, that was until I woke up the next day, and then the high was gone, and I was left feeling alone again. Um, Daniel invited me to church, and when he invited me to church, um, one of those doors opened up. Uh, the first word that I heard out of anybody's mouth was, welcome home. And that's what I've been looking for my entire life. After that day, uh, I watched, I, I had a dream where I watched chains falling off of my family. And I didn't understand what it meant. And I prayed and prayed and prayed about it. And I ended up giving myself to God. Uh, and I, I prayed that God would just move through my family the way that he's been moving through me and that if he wanted to use me as a vessel, it, even though that I didn't feel ready, even though that I didn't feel worthy, that I would do whatever it took for him. And it was like a dinner bell to him. Uh, God has been moving through my family like a wildfire. And it has been so amazing to see. Uh, I have non-believers in my family and they're devoting their lives to Christ and getting baptized. Uh, they're getting healed in the name of Jesus. And it is just so awesome to see what God can do with somebody who, who feels so little. And just being reminded that you're loved is something special. And uh, I've been working uh, to try to spread that gospel the same way that Daniel spread it to me. And I've been reaching out to my friends, even the friends that I thought were too far gone. But that's one thing that is beautiful about the grace of God is that you're never too far gone. Um, here recently.
recently I took my dad to the week of power and uh, my dad is 76 years old and he just gave himself to Christ and yesterday uh, he just got baptized and that has hit my family harder than ever and I just want to say God is good and you're never too far gone and just keep spreading that seed because you never know whose chains will fall off next. God bless. There's his dad's baptism. If you stand with me, if I could have some of the piano, please. If you just keep your eyes closed, I just believe the presence of God is here. God, you're here. We welcome your presence. We love the presence of the Lord because the presence of God is God. The presence of God is God. keep your eyes closed. God is here. He's moving. Holy Spirit, we declare, we, we believe that you're moving. Less of us and more of you, Jesus. Less of us and more of you, Jesus. Just as JJ told his story, I told him to his face, I said, JJ, there's no good reason for you to be following Jesus today other than God himself chose you responded you believed Jesus said you did not choose me disciple I chose you and maybe today you've been wrestling through maybe your heart has felt hard and you feel the warm tears of Jesus Christ himself falling on you today saying they could not see I had so much desire to bring you peace I have so much desire to bring you peace but they could not see for their hearts were hard. And today the Lord is opening up your eyes. He came to reveal, give sight to those who are blind. And if you've been walking spiritually blind today, I'm not just talking for salvation alone. Maybe you do need to get right with God and you need to surrender your life to him. But we need to surrender and repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's more for you and God's showing you there's more for my life. You just heard this testimony of a young man who within a year's time is now seeing family come to him. He wants to see the kingdom of God revealed in his family. He's just saying, God, if you can use anybody, use me for more. Do more in me. I believe you for more. Who is this one who seized my heart? Who is this one that called me? Who is this one? And the more I get close to them, the more he comes after me. If you're just hungry for more right now, more of Jesus in your life, I want you to raise your hand. As a badge of honor, I am hungry for the Lord in my life. I want you to raise. This is between you and God. You're not doing this for me. You are doing this because you want more of God in your life. If he is humbling you right now in his presence and calling, just like he called the donkey to himself, he calls you closer to him. He's not going to ask you to do anything without his presence, his abiding presence, his abiding peace in your life. If you need more of that peace, you're longing for more of that peace, I want you to gladly lay.